something you may not know is that it wasn't just Calvary students here, but rather we had 10 churches from the surrounding area here, despite denominations, despite culture of student ministry, all here to worship Jesus. Amen. And this weekend, we, we went through the book of Philippians. We looked at what it looked like to imitate Jesus. We looked at that we must humble ourselves to the point of being a servant. That we must understand that we have to forsake everything to follow Jesus. That imitating Christ is a lifelong journey. And this morning, church, I want us to understand that, that imitating Jesus has to change our mindset of how we, we live the Christian life. So if you have your Bibles, and, and I hope that you do, we're going to be in the book of Amos this morning. And no, not the famous Amos cookies, but the book in the Bible. It is a minor prophet. He's a minor prophet. If you can't find it, it's after Genesis and before Revelation. Give you guys a second. And as we as we go through, it's Amos chapter five. As we go through this chapter, something that something that I always heard growing up is is to make good choices. And in fact, one of my my, one of my deans in high school grew up in North Virginia. We'll call him Mr. Adams, because that was his name. And Mr. Adams would always say in the morning announcements, he'd say, hey, make it a great day or not, the choice is yours. And I don't, I don't know what it was, but it just always bothered me. It was always the way he said it. He'd always say, hey, make it a great day or not. And he'd pause, and he'd say, the choice is yours. And, and I look at that phrase, and most of you have probably heard it before, And every single day, we make decisions. Decisions that either honor God or decisions that don't. And Israel, in the context of Amos, Israel is doing the same thing. Israel is in what we call this this golden age. It's this golden age for Israel. Israel, the economy is booming. Money is flowing. People people are happy. They're worshiping God. Things, Things are going well. That's all it is. Things are just going well. The Israelites, they're living in sin. The Israelites, they're stealing from the poor. They're overtaxing the poor. The Israelites are, are living in sexual immorality, yet they're still claiming that they love God. And Amos, Amos comes onto the scene Amos, he's, he's not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. See, Amos didn't go to the prophet school, if you will. He, in fact, he was a sheep herder. And Amos comes onto the scene of condemnation. Amos comes onto the scene to, to condemn Israel. And what's actually kind of funny is when Amos first comes to the Israelites, he actually doesn't directly attack them. What he does is, is actually kind of funny. He, he starts attacking the nations surrounding Israel, talking about how they're living in sin. He's like, hey, Israel, guess what? Like, like your neighbors, your neighbors, Tyre, they're living in sin. Damascus, they're living in sin. Edom, they're living in sin. I can imagine Israel's like, yeah, 
Like, call out our neighbors. And, and maybe some of us in here are like, yeah, our friends, they're sinners. Like, call them out. Like, they're the sinners. But, but as, as Amos is, is condemning their neighbors, he gets to this climactic point where he's like, okay, your neighbors are sinners. But Israel, you, you have sinned. You have sinned against God. So in Amos, in Amos chapter 5, we, we get to this. And in Amos 5, starting in verse 1, he says, Hear this word that I take up over you in lamentation, O house of Israel. Fallen no more to rise is the virgin Israel, forsaken on her land with none to raise her up. For thus says the Lord God, the city that went out a thousand shall have a hundred left. And that which went out a hundred shall have ten left to the house of Israel. This, this chapter is, is called the funeral song. This chapter is called the funeral song. Not in the sense of, of, someone, of someone of dying of old age, but funeral song as if someone were just to collapse dead. A sudden surprise. That, that, that is what Amos wants Israel to know. Hey, he's like, hear this, this lamentation, hear this lament. I'm weeping over you because you're living in sin. And Amos, Amos calls them the, the virgin Israel. And what he means by this is that Israel thinks that they're just, they're just perfect picture, that they're, they're just pure nation that's, that's good. But no, no, they're not. Amos is honestly just, just making fun of them at this point. And what Amos says is he paints this picture about, about soldiers, a thousand going out, but then a hundred coming back. And then a hundred going out, and then ten coming back. What Amos is saying is that you know, you might have these, these good intentions, you might have this, this courageousness when you walk with the Lord, but you're just going to die. You're just going to, you're going to drop dead in your sin. Because you love it so much. Death is coming. But, but Amos, Amos gives us this option. He says, hey, if you want to turn from your wicked ways, this is what you need to do. He says, for thus, for thus says the Lord to the house of Israel. He says, seek me and live. But do not seek Bethel. Do not enter into Gilgal and cross or cross over to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into exile. And Bethel shall come to nothing. And our first truth this morning, if you're taking notes, is that we must only seek God. Amos talks about these, these other temples of worship. You know, Bethel means house of worship. And, and so, so he's saying, hey, don't go to these houses because at the moment, these, these, these temples, these places of worship, they're living in sin. They come and they raise their hands, but they're sleeping with multiple women. They're, they're coming and they're trying to take offerings and give to God, yet they're lying and stealing from the poor. And Amos is saying, hey, don't go there. Just, just seek God. Go and seek God. Stop seeking God. The evil of the world. Because he says if you don't see God, then consequences are coming. But then, but then, Amos gives a consequence if you don't see God. He says, he says in verse six, verse 6, seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph. He says, and it devour with none to quench it for Bethel. 
or you who turn justice to wormwood and cast down righteousness to the earth. Amos reuses that phrase, seek the Lord and live. In Hebrew literature, that, that, that concept of repetition leads to knowledge. And so he's repeating this to just get it in their minds. Hey, it's, it's seeking God. If you want to live, seek God. He gives us two options. Either A, seek God. And if you don't do that, then inevitably, right away, option B happens, which God will bring forth a raging fire to the northern kingdom of Israel. If you don't seek God, God is going to bring a raging fire to the northern kingdom of Israel because they're living in sin, they're living in evilness. And for the people, for the people that are righteous, the people that are wise in Israel, and we'll look at that in a minute, the Israelites are just casting them down. They're neglecting him. They're not even listening to them. They have turned what is intended to be good into wormwood, bitterness, disgustingness. They're embodying Titus 1.16, which says, although they claim to know God, they're not honoring God with their actions. They turn justice into something that's disgusting. They turn something that which should be loving into something disgusting, sin. That's what the Israelites are doing. Maybe many of us in here are doing the same thing. We're living in sin. We're continuing to sin. But then we're justifying our sin, saying, oh, I can do whatever I want because I'm a Christian. I can lie. I can steal. Oh, it's just a white lie. God forgives me, so I, I can do whatever I want. But no. No, no, no. Amos is saying, no, you need to seek God. You need to view your sin as disgusting. Do you know who God is? Do you know the character of God? Amos. Amos interrupts his condemnation in verse 8. And this, this picture, this is so beautiful. Amos says, He who made the Pleiades and Orion and turns deep darkness into the morning and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name who makes destruction flash forth against the strong, so that the destruction comes upon the fortress. You see, Israelites, they're worshiping these false gods. They're worshiping this, this lowercase g god of the stars, or this, this lowercase g god of rain. See, those, those false gods, they're limited to something. That the false god of rain has limited the rain. The false god of these stars has limited the sunlight. But our god, our God is unlimited. He has so much sovereign power. He made the stars. He made the earth. He made the oceans. He made animals and he made them good. And then he made man in his own image bearing the reflection of God. And it was very good. That is the God that the Israelites are disrespecting. The maker and the creator of the universe. That is the God that the Israelites are disrespecting. And you know what the Israelites are doing? He says in verse 10, they say, they hate him who reproves in the gate, and they abhor him who speaks the truth. He says, therefore, because you trample on the poor, and you exact taxes of grain from him, you have built houses of hewn stone. But you shall not dwell on them, 
you, you have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. He says, for I know how many are your transgressions and how great are your sins. You who afflict the righteous, who take bribes, who turn aside the needy at the gate. Therefore, therefore, he who is prudent will keep silent in such a time, for it is an evil time. Amos attacks a, a certain sin that the Israelites are living in. And that sin is, is justice. They're, they're, they're turning justice into something disgusting. They're stealing from the poor. They're overtaxing the poor. And in the same way, they're, they're also living in, in sexual immorality. Israelites are doing this to, to feel powerful. And yet, the Israelites still think what they're doing is good. They're, they're, not, they're not understanding this. And, and even the wise, the, the prudent here, the wise people, like, they're scared to speak up because of how, how, how evil these people are. And it, which I commend Amos for, for his bravery to, to speak truth into the Israelites' life. And things, they're trying to hide their sin is what they're doing. They're like, oh, I, I go to church. I, I do all these good things. Yeah, I'm sinning. I'm stealing from the poor. God still loves me. God, God still loves, is always on my side. See, if you think in here, if you're not a Christian here, and you think that the way to go to heaven is by doing good things, just by, by doing like a hundred good things, you're wrong. No, no, no. We are saved by grace and grace alone. If you think that we're saved by works, that's like putting icing on a burnt cake. We're all burnt cakes in here. We're all burnt sinners. And we try to cover up our lives with, with tasty icing. We're trying, we're trying to cover up our lives with, with things that look good, but, but we're still sinners. And we'll never reach the perfection that is God. But there was hope. Because God and his love sent Jesus down to this earth to live a perfect life. To die a sacrificial death on a cross and three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, showing he had victory over death. And anyone who trusts and trusts in him alone can have everlasting life. So what, so what Amos says, he says it again. He says, seek good and not evil. He says, hey, seek good, don't seek evil, that you may live. And so the Lord of God will be with you as you have said. So seek God, and it's interesting, he uses that phrase, just as you have said, that's referring back to Amos 5.2, when, he, when he's calling them the virgin Israel, hey, it's like, oh, God's with us, because he loves us so much, like, we can do whatever we want. Romans 6, Romans 6 talks about, can we continue in sin so grace may abound? Can we keep sinning? To take advantage of God's forgiveness. And Paul says, by no means. May it never be. We can't be living that lifestyle of cheap grace. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a famous theologian. He says, cheap grace is justification of the sin without the justification of the sinner. What does that mean? Well, let's, say, let's say you're struggling with lying. Let's say, let's say you tell a white lie. You're like, oh, I just lied. But you know what? It's, it's no big deal. God, God forgives me. I can keep lying. I, I can keep lying. It's all good, right? No. No, what it should be is even if it's a white lie, be like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I've wronged you. 
Lord, I repent. Lord, forgive me. I'm trying to look more like you. I'm so sorry for that, Jesus. Forgive me. And, and God, he is just. He is faithful to forgive. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that we can do whatever he, he, we want because he's a forgiving God. Which means we need to change our view of sin. Not as a big deal or not as a small deal, but a huge deal. Because you know what Amos says? He says, you need to hate evil. You need to hate evil and love good, verse 15, and establish justice in the gate. And it may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. And if you're taking notes, our second truth is we need to love the things God loves and hate the things God hates. We need to love the things God loves, joy, peace, love, compassion, humility, and because of that, we must hate the things he hates, unrighteous anger, lust, stealing, lying, pornography, everything, we just need to hate it and love Jesus. And are we truly, are we truly, church, partaking in that? Are we truly hating our sin? Do you know what the Bible says? It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So all of us have sinned. The Bible also says that the consequence of sin is death. The consequence of sin is death. That if we continue in sin, it will lead us to the path of death. But the hope is still in Christ Seek God and live. Change your life. It's, it's, it's life transformation, imitation. We talked about it all weekend, students. Imitating Christ daily. This is the way you act, the way you think, the way you speak. Does that line up with the way that Jesus acts, the way that Jesus thinks, and the way that Jesus speaks? Examine your life. Maybe you need to chisel out a sin Maybe you need to start hanging out with, with better people. Maybe you need to stop watching a TV show. No, change your life. Too many times, if, you became, if, you, if you're a Christian in here, too many times we treat salvation as if it's solely a decision where we raise our hand and accept Jesus in our lives. No, it's more than that. No, it's, it's a life transformation where we go from loving sin and hating righteousness to hating sin and loving righteousness, which only comes from God. It's life transformation. You, you can't have one foot in the world and one foot in your walk with Jesus. No, it is a lifelong journey where you're continually carrying your cross, dying daily to your sin and following Jesus. It's life transformation. As the band comes up, let's, let's understand this. Ponder, ponder this for a moment. Imagine, imagine if me, Henry, while I was driving to church this morning, I was running a little bit late, so I was speeding. I was just driving really fast, right? I, oh gosh, I gotta get to church, like I'm speaking, like it's gonna be bad if I'm late. I'm driving and, and as I'm driving, I, I realize something. I'm driving my car and I realize that my tire pressure is low. So, so I pull over and I go to start changing my flat tire. And guys, look, I don't know how to change a flat tire. I was like 
So I call my parents, but yo, what do I do? I don't, I don't got AAA or anything, so I'm freaking out. Like, what do I do? I got, I got no data, so I can't even go on Google. So I have no, no idea what to do. I open up the back of my car, and I get, get that four-way wrench. I don't, I don't even know what it's called. I don't even know what it's called. And I, I'm, try, I'm trying to change that wheel, right? I'm doing my best to, to change the wheel on, on my tire, and as I'm changing it, and students, I know you heard this, a lug nut falls off. A lug nut falls off, and it, it rolls into the middle of the highway, me being a courageous 22-year-old, I run out to, to go grab that lug nut that rolled out. I'm like, okay, I got this. And as I'm picking it up, I look up, and a 200-ton logging truck is driving straight at me. It's going like 100 miles an hour, and it's 10 feet in front of me. And that 200-ton logging truck, it runs me over. Now I'm here. Does it, does it look like, be honest, does it look like I just got hit, ran over by a 200-ton logging truck? No. You would say, Henry, like, if you had an encounter, if you had an encounter with something as big as a logging truck, like, you'd look different. Like, your bones would be broken. Like, you'd look completely, like, weird and gross. If you had an encounter with something that big, you should be changed. And my question for you is, what is bigger, an encounter with a 200 logging truck or an encounter with God? Because if you've had an encounter with God in here, you should look completely different. If you became a Christian a week ago, then today you should look completely different than what you did two weeks ago. Completely different. If your life has been changed by Jesus, then you should change your lifestyle to look more like him. Stop loving sin. Start hating sin. Seek God and live. But then there's also people in here who aren't Christians. There's also people in here who, 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 aren't, who haven't trusted that truth in Jesus. And let me tell you, if all you do is, is do good, if all you do is seek good, it's not enough. No, rather, it's understanding the truth that I mentioned earlier, that, that Jesus, that Jesus lived a perfect life. That Jesus died that sacrificial death on a cross for our sins, for mine, for yours, for the sins that, that haven't lived up to God's perfection. And anyone who trusts in him and him alone can have everlasting life. That's what it means to be made justified. To trust in Jesus. That's how we get saved. And as a result of justification, to be made right by God, sanctification starts, which means to look more like Jesus. To where every day we are doing our best, doing our best to look more like Christ, to make an impact for God. That, that is our everyday goal, to look more like Jesus and understand that Jesus has overcome the grave. He is so good. And he is so gracious to us. And I'm not saying that, that when you sin, God won't forgive you because he will forgive you. But don't take advantage of his forgiveness. Why? Because God says don't. 